1993, there was a movie that was brought out called Shadowlands. You may well have seen it. It's a movie depicting the story of C.S. Lewis, particularly his love story, where quite later in his life, he met an American lady by the name of Joy, and they fell in love, and then they decided to get married, but not long before they were planning to get married, Joy was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And, And the movie tells the story tells the story of, of tells, the movie just tells the beautiful story, actually, of, of the love between C.S. And, and Joy. And tragically, Joy passed away, and C.S. was left crestfallen and despondent. And a lot of his writings after that time, he, he wrote about some really significant challenges that all of us experience in life from time to time that there are difficulties, that there are challenges, and that sometimes it seems like God doesn't answer our prayers in the way in which we would want him to or imagine him to. And and there's this particular scene in the movie where um, C.S. Lewis and a colleague of his from Oxford University are there and they're chatting and and they all know that Joy's unwell and they're they're praying. There's lots of people praying for Joy um, across the world, in fact, praying for her healing and praying that God would restore her. And and this colleague says to C.S., you know, there's so many people praying, so many people praying, Jack. Surely God's going to answer the prayer. And C.S. Lewis just responded with this line, prayer doesn't change God. Prayer or God changes me. And today as we open up our series uh, on prayer, not our series, our our topic today on prayer, and as we continue to lean into our five key focus areas for this year ahead and perhaps beyond, We've got to come at prayer and be really honest and say that sometimes God doesn't answer prayer in the way we imagine or would like him to. And what do we do with that? In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 to 15, it says this. I'll get my Bible so I can read it. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 to 15. It says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask for anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. It may well be that today you're coming into this space with some questions around this topic particularly. It may well be that you've been praying for something, for a breakthrough, whether it's in your own life or that of a loved one you've been praying for so long and God hasn't answered your prayer yet. And you've got questions around that. It might be that you can remember a situation maybe not so long ago in your life where you were praying for something, for God to come through, God to answer the prayer in the way you wanted and you didn't receive the answer that you were hoping for. And yet here in 1 John chapter 5, It talks about asking anything of God and he hears us. And so the question I'm coming at today is what do do we do here? How do we make sense of all of this? And I think there's two things that we can take from this passage particularly. 
as we open up prayer today and as we sit in this series of our five key focus areas for this year. They being participation, prayer, proclamation, provision and partnership. But today's prayer. And the first thing I think we can see from this passage, clearly what John is trying to say is that prayer produces results. Prayer produces results. In fact, there's examples in the Bible, all through the Bible, where prayer has produced results. And I just want to share a few with you. The first one's from Genesis chapter 18. Abraham is there having this discussion with God. God is really upset because Sodom, a town not far by, has been so evil and so corrupt that he wants to smite that town and he wants to bring judgment to that town. And Abraham is pleading on behalf of Sodom. And there's this fascinating dialogue that happens between God and Sodom where Abraham says, you know, if we can just find 10 people that are right before you and God's saying, yeah, okay. And there's this dialogue going back and forth, and it would seem from that that prayer produces results. And then if we fast forward a bit, we're in Isaiah chapter 38, and Hezekiah, he's not well, he's been given an illness. In fact, he's going to die as a result of this illness, and he gets on his knees, and he prays, and he asks God to spare his life, and God comes through, and God does that healing and that miracle. We see it in Acts chapter 12 where Peter is in prison and it's not looking good for Peter. And it probably where he's heading while he's in prison almost certainly is that they'll kill him. But here are the early believers in the early church and they're praying, they're on their knees and they're praying for Peter's miraculous release from prison and it happens amazingly. You see, prayer produces results. We see it even in the last hundred years where God has moved most and the people have been drawn to him. We've seen that those situations have been immersed, they've been founded and they've continued in prayer. In the 1950s in China, there were 660,000 Christians. The Communist Party came in and they booted out all the Christian missionaries and there was a great fear around what would happen in China. And of course, most of us now know that story. When China opened up, about 40 years ago, they were astounded by what they saw. Today, there's 130 million plus Christians in China. In fact, there's more Christians in China now than are members of the Communist Party in China. And what's happened there in China, that has been started, it's been founded, and it's been continued in prayer. We see this in South Korea. At the turn of the 20th century, there were no Christians in South Korea. By the turn of the 21st century, that entire country was 40% Christian. And if you know anything about the South Korean church, you know that they're a church that's on their knees. They are a praying church. Prayer produces results. We see it in the Iranian church. When the Ayatollah Khomeini came to power in 1979, there were about 500 Christians in Iran. The persecution had broken out. You can't be a Christian in Iran, apparently, But God has done a good thing. Since the 1950s, there's been people praying for the country of Iran and praying for God to move through Iran. And there are now over one million Christians in Iran from Muslim-believing backgrounds. A couple of weeks ago, after our real food service, a member of our congregation came to Kate and I, and Kate's my wife, and, and just said, can you pray for us? Pray for me. And there was a situation there, and the situation was that this person's individuals, their father, their elderly father who was in aged care, had just contracted COVID. 
And this person was desperately worried about what this might mean for his elderly father. So Kate and I prayed. We didn't feel much at the time, but we just prayed. And a week later, this individual came back and reported that his dad was fully recovered. In fact, he recovered within days of that prayer being prayed. And the aged care workers of this particular nursing home said it was the fastest recovery from COVID that they'd ever seen in that space, in that aged care home. You see, prayer produces results. And yet we're left with this tension that sometimes we pray. And I know there's been times where I've prayed. And I've even got my lawyer sort of legal hat on and I've prayed prayers so specifically and so directly that I knew that there was no way out for God. And yet he chose not to answer the prayer in the way I prayed. Interestingly, just as there's biblical examples of God answering prayer, there is also biblical examples where God doesn't answer prayer. We see it in 2 Samuel chapter 12. David has committed a sin against Bathsheba and against God. And Bathsheba is now pregnant. And a judgment comes upon David. And the result of that judgment is that that baby will lose its life. The baby was born and David, every day, pleads to God, will you spare this child's life? And God chose not to answer that prayer. We see it in 2 Corinthians, Paul's talking about the thorn in his flesh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we don't know what the thorn in the flesh was, many people have hazarded a guess, I don't think we actually are meant to know, it's not that important to the story. All we know is that three times Paul pleaded to God, can you just take this away from me, please? And yet God chose not to answer the prayer in the way that Paul was praying for it to be answered. We see it in Acts chapter 12 as well. That's the story I shared earlier where Peter was miraculously released from prison. Well, in that same passage of Scripture, James is alongside Peter in prison. And the early churches, they're praying, and yet it's James that is executed by the sword, we're told. God doesn't always answer the prayer in the way we imagine. And, and you have to ask yourself, what, what's going on here? Why is this the case? And I think it comes back to what C.S. Lewis was talking about that I shared at the start of this message. See, prayer's not there to change God. It's there to change me. 
And there's something that happens, I think, when we first become a Christian and we, 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 we start praying and it's a good thing and we start seeing God answer prayer. And often it seems, I don't know why this is, but we seem to see God answering prayer a lot when we first become Christians. And then maybe over time, it, maybe it's just the fact that we go on and on and then we, just, we see maybe there's got some questions there. Is God answering prayer? I'm not really sure. But, but we see it and God's answering prayer and we get fire. You know, it's really good and prayer is producing results and it's amazing and all that sort of stuff. And then we will go through a season in life where that doesn't happen so much. And I think the reason is, is because just as much as prayer can produce results, there's a deeper plan here that God has. Because prayer also produces relationship. It produces a relationship with him. At the start of this year, my eldest daughter, Maria, went off on an ESA camp. She had an amazing time. Uh, 25 of our young people approximately went on this camp. And I think pretty much every single one of them came back with COVID. It was just like they had a ma- major outbreak on this camp and they all came back unwell. Um, you know, it happens. Uh, Maria, uh, and so she, you know, we got the positive test result and we thought, oh, well, she better go and stay in her bedroom. So we, we sent her off into her bedroom. Um, and, and, you know, Kate and I felt a bit sorry for her because, you know, 15-year-old kid, you know, real, she's a real social kid, loves being around people and, you know, this is going to be really hard on her. So we sort of, you know, acquiesced on a few things we wouldn't usually allow. Like we set up a TV in her room um, and so she had a TV set up in her room and, and, and then we sort of, you know, we, we allowed her to be on her mobile phone and so she, was, she had the TV there and she could watch whatever TV show she wanted, um, yeah, within reason. And, and, and then um, she had a mobile phone and so she's FaceTiming her friends all day. And because she was in isolation, you know, we had to bring the food up to her. So we would prepare her three meals of the day. And, and whenever she needed a snack, she'd send us a little text message. You know, I need a, I need a snack, thanks. And, and, and so, um, we, you know, and Kate and I, you know, were feeling really sorry for her. So we would be working really hard, you know, serving her. And, and then we'd take the dishes away, you know, and, and we'd go and wash them. And, 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 and she, because she was in isolation in a room, there was no chores. There was no expectations. Nothing was required of her. And, and I went into her about the third day. Um, her symptoms weren't that bad, by the way. She was fine. And, and I went into her on the third day and I just said, Darling, how are you going? And she went, I'm okay. <laughs> and, and, and I saw just out of the corner of her mouth this tiny little curl of her lip because she wasn't just okay. She was living her best COVID life. Like this was like seriously um, a 15-year-old's dream, I reckon. A week in bed, food whenever you want it, drink whenever you want it, TV, FaceTime, doesn't get any better really. She had mum and dad as her butlers for a week. When we mature in our faith, we move from Jesus needing to be our butler so much and move into that place of relationship. where we can take our needs to Jesus, and he loves that, loves it. And often, often, he'll answer those prayers. But there's something deeper happening. It's a two-way street. And we're starting to hear from God as well. And we're starting to hear what he has for us. We're starting to get a sense of his purpose and his plan and his destiny for us. We've seen it already this morning with David being commissioned 
for his work at Power to Change. And did you note the little call out? 66%, was it David, you're around? You want, you want to get 100 people, 66? You're on 67 because sign me up, yeah? I'll be one of them. Let's get it to 100 today. You'll be hanging around, won't you? You will be now. Um, out, out in the foyer. Um, go and have a chat to David. Sign up. You see, prayer produces results. And more importantly, it produces relationship as well, where we walk in his presence and in his love and in his grace each and every day. Very first time I spoke on this platform, I spoke about prayer, 23rd of May last year. It was deliberate. And, you know, since I started in May, and I feel like God's laid a number of things on my heart, and we're, we're leaning into those things, and we've dialogued them and journeyed with the leadership team and all of that, and we're, we're going for it, and it's great. But before I started here, and I was asking God, you know, what is it? What is it? He said, turn up the volume. Turn up the volume on prayer. This can look a whole lot of different ways. I just want to throw a few suggestions out to you. How we can be turning up the volume of prayer today and and into the future. The first one is just in your own personal walk. And the way this works for me is that I actually have to put it in my calendar. I have to put Jesus in my calendar because if I don't, it doesn't happen. and, And it's part of the discipline for me of carving out time and making time. But, but whatever works for you, let's be turning up the volume in our own personal walk. I'm a person that loves to journal, and I don't, don't do it every day, but when I, when I get, get away for a few hours, I'll just write and write and write. And it's a two-way conversation in those times. And then I can go back and I can see what God has been saying to me, and I can see whether that was just me or whether that was God. And it's amazing when you look back and see how God's been at work. Some people like to go for walks along the beach or in nature and it's beautiful in this area that we live and we have so many opportunities to do that. But whatever it looks like, you know, let's turn up the volume. But it's not just an individual thing. I think there's a corporate response too. Here, there's a a response of the whole body, the whole believers, the community of faith here at New Peninsula. Just before Christmas, we started up a, a Facebook prayer group. This is an online prayer group. Every Wednesday morning at 6.30 a.m., there's a group of us now. There's probably about 20 regulars, and we connect. And I'll start. I usually start it off with a, a little passage. We'll be in a psalm. We'll reflect on that psalm for a little bit. And then we'll start just praying what, we're, what we believe God is laying on our hearts. And a number of different people will write comments of what they're praying. And we'll like it. And we'll do little care emojis or whatever it is you do. Um, all those things. And then, you know, there's all that. It all happens. And it's sort of like a glorious mess, but it works. Every Wednesday morning from 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. Uh, there's going to be a QR code up on the screen. I just encourage you to get your mobile phones out right now. If we can have that up, John, there it is. If you want to join that group, all you have to do is take a, get your camera out and get that and lead you to the link. And you can say join. I'll get on there later today and I'll sign you up if I know you. Or if I can find out that you're part of this church. I know this is going online. But sign up. 
even if you can't make it every Wednesday morning, what you can actually do is you can then get on and you can look at what a group of people are praying for, for our church and for our community and our nation. And at a later date, you can join in with those prayers as well. But I know that Facebook is limited, yeah? There's only a, a portion of us, I don't know how many, but, but maybe 60% of us that are actually on Facebook. Maybe it's 80, I don't know, but not everyone is on Facebook. And so we're limited from that point of view, from the technological point of view. And I would love to see a prayer group just like our Facebook prayer group start up on other forums. It'd be great to have a WhatsApp prayer group. We could do that easy. We just need someone that's proficient in WhatsApp, that's prepared to facilitate. I'll walk with you. We'll journey with you. We'll get it up and going. That would be great. One of our goals for this year is that 10% of our congregation would be in weekly corporate prayer. Now, depending on how you measure our congregation, it's somewhere between 40 and 70 people. Weekly corporate prayer. So you could do the Facebook group. You could help me sign up a WhatsApp group, start up a WhatsApp group. You can pray individually. There's just one other thing I want to throw out just quickly. And that is since I've started here in May of last year, there's been a few people that have come up to me and just, I guess, let me know that they're prayers, that, that, that God has given them a special gift of prayer. And I want you to know that I so value that in the life of our church. Because for those who God has given this special gift in prayer, there's an intercessory aspect to it where they have a sense of what God they need to pray for and they go for it and they pray and they spend hours upon hours in prayer and that's fantastic. But there's another element of it and that's that insight and discernment piece of hearing God's voice. And, you know, I'm not the only person that has the potential to hear God in this place. The elders are not the only people. The board are not the only people. The ministry staff are not the only people. If God has given you a special gift of prayer and you identify with that, you know that that's you, I'd just so love to hear from you. I'd love to have that conversation with you. And let's get a group of us together that are gifted in this area. And let's make that a corporate gift to the church, the wider church. I want to finish by taking us to the night before Jesus went to the cross and Jesus is in the garden and he's praying and in a moment of great agony and anguish he says to his father take this cup from me for he knew what was to happen that next day will you take this cup from me but he didn't God didn't answer that prayer in that moment of anguish and torment in fact a bigger purpose a bigger plan was in play here And Jesus went to the cross and he did so willingly. His body broken for our brokenness. He would die an agonising death. He would be put in a tomb. A massive stone rolled over. There was no way of getting out, even if he did come back to life. But that all still happened. He defeats death. He spends time with his disciples. He restores them, Peter particularly. And Peter would go on to plant the church, to start the church and... The story continues to this day. And the point there that that story starts at was take this cup from me. If you've been praying for something for a long time and you've been wondering why God hasn't been answering your prayer, well, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But maybe there's a higher purpose. 
Maybe there's a greater plan. Maybe there's something really significant here that God is doing in terms of his relationship with you and his relationship with others through you. Can I pray? Lord, there are things that we've touched on today that are mysteries and perhaps will even remain mysteries until we see you face to face the other side of eternity. But Lord, we want to pray. As we turn up the volume on prayer this year, we want to pray that you would be drawing us deeper and deeper into you. That though we will be praying for results and we know and we celebrate and we give you praise and glory when those results happen, we know that sometimes there is a higher purpose, a greater plan that you have, and that's relationship. And so, Lord, draw us deeper into you, we pray, so that you draw us into deeper relationship with you. Lord, help us to be loyal and faithful in such a way that even though there might be times when the prayers are not answered in the way we imagined, help us to keep on pressing on, to keep on persevering, to keep on praying. Lord, do a work in us, we pray. Do a work in the life of prayer in our community of faith today and in the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.